Hello and welcome to Huge Ass Paddock Pass. We are back after our little break. I'm your host Tom Addison. With me in the booth are Andrew Fawcett. Hello. And Alexander Cofford. Yo. The formal version of the name tonight, I think. Um, <laughs> we've been away for a couple of weeks, uh, summer break and all that. It's been uh, busy, busy, busy in uh, America. I know Coffert has been moving around the country and uh, planning a wedding. Is that right, Alex? Yeah. Um, moved from North Carolina down to the Tampa Bay area, and we're getting married in November. Woo! Yeah. Woo! Congratulations, Alex. Thank yes, you. Congratulations. And I assume the fiance is as big a motorsport fan as you are. Uh, yeah, yeah. She really cares about everything that involves you know, <laughs> all sports, activities, fun. All, all of that. All of that good stuff. Yep. Yes, yes. So speaking of sports <laughs> and motorsport, Formula One. We have missed how many races? Four races since we last... Uh... Um, just a mere four races of the season. <laughs> Okay, what happened in those four races, Forces? <laughs> you tell us. <laughs> Lots of things happened. We saw the introduction of Mr. Alexander Albon. We saw Charlie Leclerc get a right. win or two. We saw Vettel win. Mercedes doesn't look as strong as they had all season. It's quite a lot of uh, exciting stuff has happened. So, I mean, um, Ferrari, yeah. the resurgence, I think. Uh, Absolutely. Kind of expected that, maybe, given the performance characteristics of the car and the track we'd seen already this season. Yeah, I like, mean, the Spa and Monza results were not right. unexpected, I'd say. Like, we know Ferrari's got the best engine on the grid, and they did the best at the two tracks that are good for engines, so I'm not also surprised. did really good at Singapore, which we did that not was, anticipate. I agree, that was the surprise, but that's traditionally been a very, very strong Mercedes track. Red Bull also were anticipated to go well there, and Ferrari showed up and won the pace and won despite their best efforts not to. They tried. <laughs> they tried very hard not to. They're very good at trying very hard not to win. But yeah, yeah um, was it Vettel that got that win there? Mm-hmm. After after being favoured with the yep, undercut, yep, yep. controversial. Finally, finally, finally. Now, do we think that was a good thing for him? Was it? <sighs> Ferrari trying to give him a win? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Uh, I mean, if I'm Ferrari and I have a driver that just got two wins on the trot, I'm not sure I'd try to give the other driver a win. I but. feel like a couple of those wins, I mean, Vettel was playing wingman pretty hard. Yeah. That's possible, maybe. Yeah, maybe it was a quid, you know, this for that. I, I'm not sure, and I don't know. I don't want to get too much into woulda, coulda, shoulda when the end result was a win, so... No, definitely we should be debating this. What else are we going to talk about? <laughs> <laughs> Good point. But, I mean, I don't think I know enough to say for sure, no, they should have put Leclerc in front. I mean, either way, the championship for is out of the question, so... Um, well, it's, I don't think you... Mm, before Russia... I was of the I was of the conviction that the championship was not a done deal. I know that it's a done saying, deal, and it's been I, a done deal for a long time. I I don't know, man. Like after we saw the performance at Spa, Monza, and uh, Singapore, Ferrari had the car advantage, and it would have taken just one DNF from Lewis and a win for the you know for the leading Ferrari at that time to really close that gap and put a little bit of pressure on him. I don't doubt that Ferrari has the pace to do that, 
but we're under the assumption that one, they'll have the pace advantage at every track. Two, that we're relying on Mercedes to not have the reliability. Three, we're relying on Ferrari to have the reliability, which we've already seen act up. Yep. And four, and honestly, most important, we're relying on a second-year driver and Vettel in a slump and Ferrari's idiotic uh, <laughs> tactics. You know, uh, let's call them tactics, but it's yep. a monkey throwing a dart at a board, and unfortunately the person reading the board can't read. So, it, you know... It, is the car good enough to do it? Sure. Is the team good enough to do it? I just don't think it's realistic at, at all. I, yeah. I, I agree with you now post-Russia. Um, where we saw the shambles that uh, developed there. So... I think maybe if you had Seb in his prime and, and maybe Seb from two years ago, I think that they could definitely do it. I think... Even after getting a win, I don't think that Sebastian really has what it takes to take Ferrari and beat Mercedes, especially with the season that Lewis and Valtteri have had. So in these last four races, the points are Leclerc has 83, Hamilton has 72, Bottas has 61, and Vettel has 38, <laughs> which is related to his DNFs. Um, yep. Which... Again, that that shows that Ferrari can take the fight to him, but over a prolonged series, um, you know, half a season, I just feel like that is a mountain to climb when you're, I think, Bottas is, or I'm sorry, I think Hamilton's up a hundred and something points. Well, so. that's that's also the fact that Mercedes have a very clearly defined driver driver hierarchy in their team. Yeah, Hamilton's number one. Bottas is a, is a good supporting wingman, but certainly in the early phases of the season, he will be... Lewis will be given preference in strategy, in race, in, in the key calls that are being made from Pitwall. Mm-hmm. Whereas Ferrari have played a very dangerous game, to my mind, in actually saying Vettel's number one driver. Yeah. That was certainly the party line at the beginning of the season. And then being very un willing, very um, unable even to change that status quo in the face of overwhelming evidence. Well, the weird thing about Ferrari is that you have the, the, the champion, the one that's supposed to be like the leader of the team who's like falling apart and making stupid mistakes, and then you have the young kid who just came in who's driving like a champion like you would ex- yeah. right, right, like you would expect. So it's kind of weird, and so like coming in, yeah, like Seb is the clear choice to make the number one driver and, and to favor him. But then, you know, like you get halfway through the season and you realize that he's not driving like he should, and Charles is doing well, and he's the one that's shown the most potential for getting race wins and and has actually won races. And I mean, now that Seb has, but you know, but I mean, still Charles has got two, right? Right, he's more consistent, and like but, he, and he's could argue that Vettel would have to possibly if his engine didn't blow in uh, in Russia, right? Yeah. Like playing devil's advocate, and like, he probably yeah, should have won. Had it. some struggles, but like to say that he's falling apart and it's disastrous, I think is yeah. absolutely like an, just overgeneralization. Sure, he's not on his A game, and he does make a couple mistakes a year that are kind of bonehead, but I, I don't think. 
I don't think, on average, Leclerc is that much better than Vettel. It's just that, <coughs> excuse me, when Vettel makes a mistake, it is a giant mistake. I think that's kind of the big difference. Yeah, that's also, I mean, Charles are qualified to set, uh, for the last seven races in a row. I don't but. disagree with that whatsoever, but Vettel has, I would argue, last six races at least, if we're going right before the, um, you know, right before the summer break, I think Vettel's had equal races pace. I'm not saying better. I'm not trying to imply that Vettel's done better lately, but to say that, sure. oh, Leclerc's doing so much better lately, it's not even close. I just think that's like a giant overgeneralization that's not fair to Vettel. I also don't I, think Vettel's the well, best qualifier. <laughs> well, he, he was traditionally when he had a car built around him and uh, a clear mental superiority over his teammate, like yeah, yeah hopes when you have the Red a team days, that can't there. send them out and get laps in. I mean, let's just take Ferrari as a whole. How many times has one of the Ferrari drivers had to not participate in Q3 because the engine wasn't working? And that has hit Vettel a little harder. But point being, I think just the team dynamic of probably not trusting your teammate, but also not trusting your team mechanically and not trusting your team to favor you or not favor you, it's got to be hard. It has. Um, but that's that's part and parcel of motorsport, and you know it has to, it's on both the driver and the team to deal with that. Ferrari maybe should be managing this a little bit better. Although I was I was impressed with Bonotto's statements after Russia regarding the team orders thing. Like, yep, he, he he played that correct. Hmm. So but, let's play. We're starting at zero points today. Okay. Who wins the constructor championship? See, that's a more interesting question because I think Ferrari, the last three races, has really shown a lot of potential and pace that we were expecting in Australia. So so we're, we're asking essentially who's going to be the strongest team in the remainder of the championship this year. Correct. So if we started today zero points and only accumulating points from now to the rest of the season, who would you say comes out on top? Well, let's look at the tracks we have remaining, first of all. Uh, yeah. Suzuka's Good. next, right? Suzuka's coming up. That's a great track. That's a Merc track all day, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. Um, Mexico. But then we've got Kota and Mex. Both power circuits, to my mind. Uh, Mexico's certainly the power circuit. Brazil. Um, and then Brazil. That could go either way, although... That might be a Red Bull track. That, that might be a Max, a sneaky yeah. Max win. Uh, especially if it rains. And then Abu Dhabi. But I think... And then Abu Dhabi, that's another, you know, that's going to dominate by a long straight down the back. And I think it's tight. Power is important there. I think it's tight, but I think I think Ferrari edges that over yeah. those circuits with the way their form is at the moment. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Mercedes just off reliability. I agree that Ferrari should have the better car and stuff, but yeah, I'll go um, reliability. The Mercs won't fail, um, and if they do, it won't be as often. That's fair. Well, I mean, we'll we'll certainly keep tabs on it now that we've opened up the, uh, yeah, the question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, Forza, what are you saying? Are you saying Ferrari or Mercedes? Uh, I don't know, man. I, I think Max is really good in Mexico. Max is pretty. Max are is we pretty saying, good. Are you saying Red Bull? <laughs> I might be saying Red Bull. I don't know. Oh, like, I, like oh, Max. There's always one, isn't there? Like Max is good in Mexico. Max is. Pr- pretty damn good at, at Coda too and, and Brazil is a Red Bull You're not going to win with Albon getting 6th place every single race though. It's because he's starting 20th <sighs> every single race because he's got some new Honda development part in his car. Well, don't wreck your car so often. Yeah, that's true. I, I'm just going to be the wild card and say 
Max. I knew I'm a Red Bull. <laughs> I knew it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna be say Red Bull. Yeah. All right, if you're so... right, you're gonna look like a genius. <laughs> but if I'm wrong, go I'm gonna look like an idiot. Other direction. McLaren's gonna outscore Honda, or I'm sorry, not Honda, Red Bull for the rest of the season. Now that's a spicy take. I like that take. <laughs> yep. That's that's uh, that's a bold statement. So McLaren, that's a good segue into them. Very impressive, as to my mind. Yeah, yep. I would they, say that they're the clear, um, clear cut. Even though Renault has made some really good progress in the last couple of races, they have. Um, they're clearly the fourth best team. It's not close. Yes, um, I agree. Over the course of a season, they have the drivers, they have the backing, and it's weird hearing you know Lando Norris talk about it. And he's like, "Yeah, we're having kind of a disappointing season. We'd like to be up there, but we found some key things that we're going to change moving forward." And like everyone's kind of like scratching their head, like, "Wait, what? This is disappointing." Did you guys realize that you scored uh, 27 points in 2015? You scored 30 points in 2017? Like, this is massive. This is the most points that already. This is by yeah. far the most points that McLaren scored since 2014. So, um, oh, yeah. It's good that they're not um, content with where they're at, and especially now that they are going back to McLaren Mercedes, which just sounds so good. It's the, oh, it's, it's God, it sounds way. so it good. It has to be the way. I mean, the question is, do they bring the silver cars back, silver and black? Uh, if they can get a sponsor on board that looks like it, I would... Who, who's their sponsor at the moment? Who's their title sponsor? Is it still West? No. No, um, it's... Jeez. Uh, Dell, Petrobus, I don't know, they have a bunch of They have a ton of ones, but I don't know. I feel like they don't have a big title sponsor. I feel like they just have like a thousand tiny yeah, sponsors. They have like Coca-Cola, Dell... Um, Arrow is a new one. Cray Supercomputers is one of their sponsors. Oh, yeah, I don't know. So I mean, I reckon they can get away with silver car then. <laughs> I don't know. I love well, that, the I love the, I don't know, though, the papaya and blue is so good though. Yeah, because that that's well, that's also when they were like the de facto Mercedes works team, right? Yeah. yeah. Now Mercedes have a works team that are silver, so I don't yeah. think they get to be silver as well. That's that's treading on the Mercedes brand a little too much. You All know I know is. All I know is that if last year or the previous year you had told me that McLaren is going to get rid of Fernando Alonso and <laughs> it's going to be the best of the rest, I would have been like, no way. Like, especially with the Renault engine in the back of it, like, nah, not but happening. Also, knowing Fernando Alonso, yeah, that's kind of been his thing. Is to that's leave true. The team just as on the upswing. <laughs> leave a team and then they destroy. Yeah, that makes sense. So a funny thing is one of um, Zach Brown's key points when he talked about coming back to McLaren, uh, Mercedes, I mean, is the, that Mercedes engines are cheaper significantly than yeah. a Renault engine. It's crazy <laughs> when you think about this. That is, that's, that's so insane to me that yep. the, the engine in the back of the team that has, like, dominated the hybrid era is cheaper than a crappy yeah and i think a lot of it was well (laughs) i think that is a big issue is what people were saying is the the french labor laws and the fact that everything has to be sourced compared to every other team is based in like a couple square miles in england right um yeah and so it's just so much more expensive and stuff but yeah it's insane that a renault motor you know it costs more than a mercedes motor or anything else yeah. Well, I mean, obviously they've proven that the chassis is good. I mean, if you're out, if you're outpacing the the team that's providing you engines, then obviously 
you've got a pretty good car on your under yourself and and putting a proven motor in the back of it and they have great drivers too ricardo and hulkenberg it's not like oh we're beating a works team that just has a couple bums in the back right like you can't you can't go and say oh well yeah renault's got terrible drivers like obviously they don't they've got everything they need for success frankly they have the drivers the finances the budget the infrastructure they just haven't quite got it right yeah they got a pay driver for next year yeah. Well, they're, they're being well, they're being paid by Mercedes to put Ocon in the car, right? Which yeah. is a very, very interesting but he, choice. But he's not. I wouldn't call him a pay driver in the traditional sense of the phrase. Right. Will, it's not like he's got the backing of a big sponsor. I will belittle him as often as I can <laughs> for any reason, and he is a pay driver for Renault. Like when you when you say the word pay driver, I think. I, do you guys remember a guy called Pedro Deniz in the nineties? He was no. a Brazilian driver. His father was owner of the biggest chain of Brazilian supermarkets in the country. And he was a driver for Sauber, um, 40 as well, he drove for in the mid-90s, and Arrows. He was his teammate Damon Hill when they were okay. yeah, seven. I mean, and some of the was, more recent ones are like Harianto. Right. But like right. this guy did several seasons in a row. Okay. Each time bankrolled, and you know he was solid, not spectacular, but he brought budget to the team. That's what I think of when I think of a pay driver. When I think Ocon, of a pay driver, I think of uh, Lance Stroll. <laughs> well, <laughs> where his actually, dad buys yeah, him a race team. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's that's the final evolution of that. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, Talk yeah, about the not team like safest drivers. Buying a seat, it's like. Buy the whole freaking team. <laughs> uh, I don't think I'm going to lose my season at the end of the season. Don't worry, sorry, we can sort that out. <laughs> like, exactly. Lance Stroll obviously is not going anywhere. And Perez with Carlos Slim backing him in a Another team that needs money. There. Right? Like, yeah. there's, those two are the safe. That's more safe than Lewis Hamilton's seat. Those guys <laughs> aren't going anywhere. Right. Yeah. And, that, and that's the shame, as we saw um, last season with the, the choice between Perez and Ocon getting the second seat right clearly like the, the decision was, was yeah Ocon was probably the stronger driver yeah versus Perez last season it was and close Perez yes Sergio's good but Ocon was I think stronger he was certainly faster qualifying didn't um, get wrecked by his teammate as much well so that was, uh, that was yeah um, but in the end money talks and that was the decision that was made so now I think Mercedes I think this is really the last chance for Ocon next season I agree. He has to perform. And, yep. you know, we've seen from Hulkenberg this season, performing against Danny Rick's not easy. This guy's mm-hmm. good. We know he's good. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't think Ocon's expected to beat Ricardo every every weekend, but he's got to be up there with him. Talk yeah. about a rough uh, split, though. I mean, Hulk is tied with Ricardo in points, and he's yeah. he's mm-hmm. got the oust from Renault. And he's out-qualified in the last couple of races yeah. after the announcement. And... Yeah, it's I, tough because I've always rated Hulkenberg as a driver. Like he's always been quick. Yeah, so. no, I, I definitely I agree. I mean, I think Hulk is quick, but if I'm Renault, I don't blame them for the decision. I mean, you've had Nico in your team a few years. You've seen what he can do. You've obviously seen what Danny can do. Maybe you say Danny's the way we're going, and then you bring in another driver that you feel like you can support him. I, I don't know. I, I, I see where Renault's coming from. Like I can. Yes, I understand. It, it makes sense, 
But like, I also hate to see Hulkenberg lose his seat because I think he's I, really yeah. a driver. I, I, I this is purely my my emotional reaction yeah. is that I feel sorry for Hulkenberg. Although emotionally, the sports car fan in me goes, "Hmm, Hulkenberg's <laughs> free. Let's see, put him in a put him in LMP one ride." If I'm like Toyota, I'm like, "Hmm, that's a that's, that's Lamar winning Nico Hulkenberg." Exactly. Yeah. So I will argue that point about let's see what Ocon can do and maybe we can build around him when we know let's pretend that he knocks it out of the park Merck is just going to pull him right up no I think everyone's aware that that's what that is and so you know over over Butters oh yeah I I have no doubt in my mind that if he kills it um, you know Toto Wolf will have to Unfortunately, because he represents both of them, right? He's both of them. I don't know. I think you'd struggle. Unless it's a science scenario. Yeah. Because science was going to be the Red Bull driver at some point. Yeah. He went off, he established himself, and then McLaren got him. Yeah. When the sleep didn't quite open up at the right time. Now, say next season, Ocon starts performing pretty well for Renault. Gels well with the team, gels well with the uh, with the car and, and the teammates. And Bodas starts performing. Yeah, similar to the start of the season he had this year. Up there with Lewis, leading championships, winning races, whatever. At that point, you know, I think Mercedes have to make a decision. And the decision may be, okay, well, you know, over to you, Renault. You can, you can have him. You can buy him out. So you're saying... Botas is going to become too good for Mercedes to keep him. Like he's going to threaten Lewis. I'm, I'm going to say he's going to make himself. He's going to he's going to value himself highly enough to retain him for another season, 2021. Yeah. I think Ocon will get tired of waiting and yeah. take a Renault contract. Number. I don't know if I'm if I'm Mercedes, I got a guy in in Botas that I know I can trust to be the like perfect second fiddle. Well, also that, uh, and that's what we discussed as well. Uh, Red Bull situation. Right. Red Bull don't need two number one drivers. Do Mercedes need two number one drivers, or do they need a number one and a number one point five? I mean, I think we've seen Mercedes with two number one drivers. And and how did that go? It ended up with World a lot of car contacts. <laughs> I wouldn't call this exactly. I, I think Toto Wolf was a lot more stressed in the Rosberg Hamilton days. Right. It, wa- it wasn't smooth sailing. It wasn't Lewis Hamilton last year, like just destroying. It was stressful. From a like from a fan's point of view, it was fantastic. Oh, I agree. The, the drama, the, <laughs> the, the theatrical gestures, and, and nature of the oh yeah, every made it fantastic to watch. But from as a, a team manager, yeah. that's not what I want. Oh, from a team manager, I would no way. Like I'm not. Because not, not only a team manager, he owns thirty percent of um, oh yeah mm-hmm. of AMG Mercedes F one whatever their team name is. Have you looked yeah. at the actual tax filing of some of these team names? They're they're absurd. They're like yeah, it's like well, let's put every contraction together and just list off every <laughs> single company and person affiliated and end it with incorporated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, I I don't see. You know, Bodas, he's still not, you know, he's not over the hill in this respect. Yeah. He can well earn himself that role. And, you know, Mercedes come along and think, now, do we want to keep the steady, perfect number two driver that will always, you know, pick up a podium and maybe a win if he's in the right place? It's his teammate. Or do we put in the young, 
headstrong, something to prove French driver. That's what I'm thinking, right? You got this super level-headed Finn who's quick, steady, you know, takes team orders, and then you're going to put in a young French guy who's trying to prove himself. Uh, Who's had history clashing with his teammate. Right, exactly. That's exactly what Ferrari did this season. They took out a young level, an old level-headed <laughs> Finnish guy, <laughs> and put in a young Frenchman, and it's not yep. done that well for them. <laughs> well, yep, exactly. So it's from from a from a outsider's point of view, as a fan, give Ocon the seat, put him in the Ferrari. Like, let's hope he does well next year, and then yeah. put my him initial in the, put, or put him in the McLaren or not. McLaren, my initial no, point Mercedes. was the Renault's point of view. I agree for Ocon, it's a good move. I don't think it's a bad move for Mercedes. I was just trying to say from Renault's point of view, I don't think it's the smartest. I think keeping Hulk's a better idea. But uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, I agree. Maybe um, they just wanted that new superstar number two driver. Um, also, yeah. he's a French driver in the French team, and that matters in your home market. Especially since isn't Renault like massively state-owned? They're, they're certainly subsidized by the government, yes. Yeah. Traditionally, in Formula One, already had French drivers. Is that why the engine doesn't work very often? (laughs) Yeah, this on strike. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I mean, from a marketing standpoint, you got to think like, hey, you got a French guy, put him on TV, everyone knows him, speaks the language. It 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 fits that their identity as as a manufacturer and as a a, right as opposed to you know a German with blonde hair. You know, it's kind of right. Uh, it doesn't quite fit the corporate image that maybe they want to be projecting. <laughs> it's not like it's he's like rolling like... in a Panzer. Like, what <laughs> <the> heck? <laughs> he comes in yes. in like gray paint. <laughs> I won't go farther than that, but paint. Yeah, well, I mean, that's, that's an idea for the final for the final round of paint scheme. <laughs> All right. Well, then speaking of Hulkenberg and silly season stuff, what yeah. about Haas? Ugh. So, I, th- I think those two noises there sum up what we think about Haas. I could have sworn Grosjean loses his seat. Oh, I... Like, I would have put money on it. I would have put money yeah. on it. If I'm yeah. Gunther Steiner, like, why would you keep Grosjean when Hulkenberg's available? And I, the whole thing just doesn't make any sense to me. It, I, why, why do you keep Grosjean when anyone's available? I, period. I just don't, right. <laughs> he has eight points this season. He's... And also... But it's not not even the points tally, right? You can argue the car, you can argue the reliability, whatever. It's his attitude stinks this season. It's really pissing me off. Frankly. It's his attitude in general, like the last Nothing's two seasons. His fault. Yeah, like the last two seasons, like in France this year. Anyone raises him, he complains. He spins in the pit lane at Silverstone. He that was spun himself into the wall at. Uh, whatever the stupid street track is last year. No. uh, Monaco? No. (laughs) It's a really stupid long straight. It's super late. I can't think of the name. Baku? Baku. He hits the wall in Baku. Right. I don't Like, between all the mistakes he did last year and, like, his stupid attitude this year, like, why would – I just don't understand it. And, like, after watching – after watching the whole Netflix series again, like I rewatched, <laughs> I rewatched it a few weeks ago. Like, I don't. In what world does that Netflix Gunter like sign him back on? Like, it doesn't make any. It just makes no sense. I agree. I think 
uh, if we release every single driver from their contract and not just in Formula One, but you know, every single racing driver, you know, and there's, you have everyone at your disposal. He's probably like 50th. Yeah. Or six, you know, he's nowhere near the top. Not, so I just don't get He's it. not top 20, I tell you that. He's not top 20. In a contracting field where prices are skyrocketing and teams are dropping out, so each seat is super important, for him to have a seat is just a giant head-scratcher. I'd rather have Marcus Erickson or, you know, someone different. Me too. Well, maybe not Marcus <laughs> Well, maybe not Marcus I mean, JV, uh, Van Dorn, Alonzo will take it. You know, give yeah. him a couple any, shots of whiskey. Put Nando, put Nando in the house, he'd love it. Yeah, <laughs> any, I mean, there's a grid full of Formula 2 drivers that would be well, well better than him. So, Isn't I, that a perfect spot for Fernando, though? Like a car that can be really quick, that won't last, and is also really bad 90% of the time? <laughs> that's, that's what he's growing up around. <laughs> See, if you're Haas, right, you hire Fernando two seasons, you suck for those two seasons, but you keep promising your sponsors, like, hey... Once Fernando leaves, once he leaves, this is going to be a serious <laughs> car. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting I choice. Ah, I don't I, get it. I don't like it. So continuing so that, we got yes. Kubica who's leaving as well, and this is kind he of is. on his own accord. But I think it's kind of both parties are they understand that you know the road has reached its path and we have to move on. I'm. I think I'm the, really glad he got a chance this season. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. I think everyone I think, is glad. Yeah, I think that I think that's a universal feeling in the paddock. Right. Is that he deserved a chance to come back and have some closure on his career. Well, it's 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 one of those things like you just need to know the answer to. Like you know, like he's got all those test drives. You, what can he do with a full season? And I know that right. it's even a full season at Williams, but you can still compare him to the teammate and see. He's still a great car. Right. So, you can still so see. who's taking the spot? I don't think they have one yet, do they? He's coming out of retirement. He had a sabbatical, early 2000s. He had his Who's 51st birthday a couple of days ago. <laughs> I, I want to see him in. Come on. It's not gonna happen. It's yes, not gonna it happen. is. Ah, damn it. I'm sorry. I, I think Williams rings in. Well, I was going to say they bring in a young guy, but like Latifi. they have that. Well, they have that in Russell. I mean, Latifi's a. Obviously, he's been driving the car a little bit, so I mean, he's the, you know. But do they need? I don't think. I think they need investment and sponsorship. I think they need. I think they need like a Kimi Raikkonen, like that kind of level of. Or Fernando Alonso. Right, (laughs) Fernando Alonso. Or a Oh, damn! If JPM. (laughs) Could he fit in it? No way. <laughs> no, but Mansell couldn't fit in the McLaren when he came back in '95. Like they can just make a wider tub. It's fine. But you this is going to be like bus wide, right? Like you just don't let people pass, or how do you? Tim, you got me really excited. If JPM <laughs> came out of well, he, Formula One retirement, for, uh, say. he's working for Haas at the moment, right? He's uh, Lance Stroll's. Sorry, not Haas. Yeah, Haas. No, Racing Point. Sorry, he's Lance Stroll's driving coach. Okay, is he really? He's yeah. He's, so that Daddy Stroll. Um, contract Stro- JPM to come and help Stroll with his driving. Like Stroll's done good this year. He really has. Yeah. Um, For a paid driver that your daddy buys the team and everyone yeah. hates, he's done pretty well. I, I mean, he I has like, led. He has led a race this season. That is let's, true. Let's let's not, be clear. Let's, let's not forget. 
He's not a bad person. <laughs> he's not a terrible driver. But um, doesn't if we're going to set the bar as a billionaire family member, dad buys the team, that bar's pretty freaking low. And he's well above what could be in there. Oh, it could be appalling. Yes, I agree. He could be as bad as Grosjean. Grosjean? Grosjean? Learn how to speak French English today. I'm telling you, I, given the option of Grosjean or Stroll, I'd take Lance. Me too. Yeah, I agree. I, I would agree also take that. him over Giovinazzi. Well, Gio, he's been better the last few races, I think, right? He has four points compared to Kimmy's 33, 31. And that, Kimmy, really, that really weird last lap spin at Spa. Oh, yeah. What happened? Yeah, there? that was strange. He that was, was just weird. Didn't didn't happen. Like he wasn't even racing anyone. Like just putts around, man. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so who who have we discussed yet in terms of the driver? We've literally excitement. talked about from Mika Hakkinen, Fernando. We've talked about how many people? Well, no. What we haven't spoken about though, as we as we left before our summer break, before mm. Spa. I mm-hmm. believe I said something along the lines of, I don't think Gasly's going to be driving for Red Bull much longer. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. There you go. And I, w- I was right. You were right. I was wrong. I didn't think anyone... We came to a conclusion that we didn't think anyone was good enough to take the spot, and they decided to make that um, switch anyways. And you know what? Album has been pretty good so far. Eh, not really. I No, I think he's been good. Well, and I think I'll, for a I driver you take out of... That one. I don't know. For a driver that you take him out of one car and put him in another in the middle of the season and then expect him to deliver into, right away. Into a top-running team. Yeah, I, I don't think in he's... your debut season. And you're he's not been a million miles off Max. He hasn't. I mean, he's it's, very well. It's the status quo, right? Like, he's barely faster than the McLarens. He's six to eight tenths off of Max. Like... You know, Red Bull and Red Bull Light, they are got to be very similar in design and philosophy and all of that. I just... In terms of, yeah, in terms of absolute pace, maybe he's not... But he's, you know, comparable to Gasly when Gasly was in that car. I agree I with the, that, I think, but I think comparable is, is... He wouldn't make a change for comparable. But I think the difference comes is when you look at their race performances. And I'm thinking particularly here of Spa and Monza, where he was overtaking cars with aggression... And skill, the Gassy would have been stuck behind for another seven laps. It took him I 28 agree. laps at Spa to pass Gasly. So I fully disagree with that. He was stuck behind Pierre for 28 laps within five seconds, couldn't pass him. So I, I get what you mean. He has had some good passes and he did work his way eventually through the field. But he I. Got there I at the end. And guess what? Pierre got there as well. I mean, I, I just feel like, man. Either way, we're, you know, trying to be better than the McLarens, which is insanely bad for anyone in the Red Bull stable. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think putting Gasly or I think putting Albon in the seat this season is a decision that you you look at next season. I think you give him the, the rest of the season to acclimate to the team and the car, and then you say, you know, next season where do we sit I, I don't think that it's been enough time for him to to get there I, I guess I get it 
my big point is you have Kafiat who's killing it on um, Red Bull Light. He's, you have, he's never going back to Red Bull. I, which I understand. You have Gasly who's now doing really well. You have Albon who is doing the same struggles, you know, better than Formula 1.5, not anywhere close to Formula 1. You, where where are we heading? What is the end goal? Red Bull doesn't have any of their superstar junior drivers. They have to pick between those three um, unless they do, for the first time ever, go out and get someone. But what are you we'll going to do? Someone. So, What if they I hire think... Daniel Ricciardo? <laughs> <laughs> That's a bad idea. Um, yeah, it's a very bad idea. So in terms of drivers on the market, I think there are two options they have if they want to go quote-unquote external. One of them is Sebastian Vettel. I like that. Ooh, I like that um, a lot. The other one, the other one's Carlos Sainz. Now those I are like two, that too. two of their drivers, right? They came with yeah. Vettel, especially. Yep. Like that's his home. Now, if you want a quick driver who knows the team and who can push Max, Seb's the guy. Still, for sure. I know we've been racking on him earlier. This podcast due to his you know, relative lack of performance compared to Leclerc but you put him in a team that loves him in a car that's been you know, not a million miles away from you know, a genesis of a car that was designed around him then he will do a job I agree I think if Seb going back to Red Bull to finish his career would be whew, such a Marketing wise, it would be a great decision for them, and and team wise, I think it would be such a good decision for them because you have a guy that's super experienced. He's obviously knows the team really well. He has a relationship with Christian, and and I that would be not a bad decision. I think <sighs> convincing Sebastian to be second fiddle to Max might be a little different. Well, that's 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 the thing. That, that's the challenge, right? Because Max is the undisputed number one driver. In the same way that Seb was in his championship years. Right. And I don't think now, Red Bull is wrong for doing that. No. And that's the way they've always operated. Might be a right. good safety valve for Red Bull in case Verstappen does leave, you know, in a year or two. Uh, to ha- have Vettel is in the background? Because let's play pretend, and I know this is unlikely and blah, blah, blah. But let's say <laughs> Red Bull does mediocre as usual ne- next year. When I say mediocre, I mean compared Third. to Mercedes and Ferrari, right? Like, no real chance. A couple of wins. Yeah. No, no chance of a championship. And Verstappen says, you know what? My contract's up. It's time for me to go to wherever I want because any single team, every single team would open their checkbook to Verstappen. My contract's up and Lewis is retiring this season. If yeah, they don't get There's only like two Vettel, teams he'd go to, though. Yeah. Yeah, and which is scary because with the 2021 regs coming up, it could be a giant shakeup, and then you could have yeah, could be. random you don't, you don't know who's going to be strong. Yeah. My money's on, my money's on Haas, personally. <laughs> How much? Because I might be willing to take this bet. <laughs> uh, but point being, like, if let's play pretend that all that happens and Verstappen's possibly leaving. Who do we have in the stable? You know, we've, we've Gasly, we have Kvyat, we have all these people that are, like, Man, Red Bull too, but uh, I just feel Red Bull's in not the best spot when it comes to the driver market, unless they can hand over fist nail Verstappen 
to the company long term. If they do that, they can play this BS that they do with the second driver, where you know we mentally Switching break them and don't build a car <laughs> around them, and and yeah, we destroy them and then let them go. Yeah, it, lie to them well, and tell them we're not going to fire them, and then we do that exact thing. Yeah, when we build a car that's not around them, and then tell them that they're stupid for trying to improve their car, like. If they want to play all that crap, that's fine when you have Max as your number one or even Vettel if you're number one. But if yeah. you have Alex Albon as your number one and you're pulling that junk, that's how you get stuck around racing point level, even yeah. if that car is that fast. Here's a question. How far is Adrian Newey from retirement? Or do you think he'll be designing race cars until he dies? He'll, he'll stay that, like, so... Because I, I big... feel like he's the factor, right? Like, he's the... He's he's a great asset for any team, and the big issue that he had when he went to Red Bull initially was that Mercedes didn't allow him. Sorry, McLaren didn't allow him to do anything outside of Formula One. That, that at the time that was a big bone of contention with his contract negotiations. Is he wanted to go off and do other projects? He wanted to go and do aircraft projects. He wanted to go off and do racing yachts. Was a big thing. He wanted to design an America's Cup yacht weird semi race car prototypes for Aston Martin <laughs> things like that yeah now he has that freedom at Red Bull now like he's he's you know technical director yeah and I think he's very happy with that with that work life balance that he has now I think he's going to stick around and I'm sure he's training up the next generation of engineers it was funny I um I, we have a group chat where we kind of talk and hang out and BS with each other. I was teasing Tom and I was pulling up stuff and I just Googled Adrian Newey funnily enough that it, it popped up Red Bull's upset with all of Newey's side projects, blah blah blah. And I just thought in the back of my mind that's the fact that he has side projects and someone was like okay this is a cool clickbait article I can come up with that's full of crap that's like Red Bull's mad at Adrian Newey. Uh, I don't buy that whatsoever. Considering that was the purpose on which he was hired initially like, I don't buy that at all. And yeah, you know, he he had that... Ron Dennis was pissed by it, which is why he left in the first place. And that's just the way that Ron Dennis would be. But, you know, Dietrich Manischitz and Christian Horner, like... Ron Dennis they're, pissed? They're managing are you, are you sure? He's a grumpy man. I don't know. Seems jovial and happy all the time to me. <laughs> Bless him. I well, like working with McLaren. I spent that week there. <laughs> was it just well, it worked, week? It worked out for Rondos. It was. It was two weeks. There you go. Two weeks work experience when I was uh, I was uh, fourteen. There you go. And I met Ron Dennis and Gordon Murray. Good guys. Yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know. I I just think Red Bull's kind of. I I don't like the. I, I like Max. I think he's a very talented driver, but I just don't like the build your whole team around one driver thing. I just don't think it it's a good long-term solution. We'll see. I think it'll be very interesting to see who gets the second driver spot for next year. Has yeah. Albon done enough? Maybe he has. Maybe if he continues to show a little bit of progression forward in the last few rounds. Yeah. We'll um, see. We'll see. I think you bring the torpedo back. No. Yep. I think no, no, he... No. He did the Lord's work in Singapore there. <laughs> it was good to see him back in that respect. <laughs> You're thinking, oh, maybe he's matured. Maybe he's not going to be such a... No, there he is. He's got a kid. You know, he's calming down. Nope. 
no. <laughs> dive bomb into turn Full one. <laughs> Those are my favorite drivers, though. You never know what you're going to get. Is it going to be this fantastic performance, or is it going to be I'm going to wreck two McLarens on the second race of the season in the same corner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it brings excitement to the watching masses. I'm not going to lie. It does. Um, and that's, you know, at the end of the day, racing is entertainment. It is, and we are endlessly entertained by it. So, what's the next race? Japan, right? Yep. Suzuka. Fantastic, fantastic racetrack, by the way. I I love the whole event. It's it's phenomenal. Yep. Um, great track, great supporters, great atmosphere, and normally a pretty good race as well. I agree. Yeah. I think Mercedes are going to be very strong. Um, I'd be interested to see if Honda are bringing any new bits to build their cars. I, I bet you they've heard they, any, but you never yeah. know. I don't know. Home race, I bet you you turn it up a little. They've certainly been taking a lot of grid penalties in the last couple of rounds to maybe make sure they have some fresher parts that on the strong. cars that maybe can stress them a little bit more. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know how much from. they're running below mode one. Yeah. I, I think... Something we didn't talk about, I'd like to touch on really quick. Yeah. Go. Qualifying at Monza was the best thing in the history <laughs> of Formula One, and it's not even close. That what a shambles. That watching, Jesus watching Christ. like all the radio, like the radio <laughs> replays. Like push now, push now. You're not gonna make it. You're like, oh, like it's, uh, I mean, it's even the at the best. time, like sitting here just watching the coverage. They're at Ascari, <laughs> and it's like thirty seconds left. You think. That's gonna be tight, actually. <laughs> surely they're not. Surely they're not gonna fuck this up. These oh, guys, yeah. are professionals. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Oh fuck. Yep. So you know what the problem was? Who is at the mm. front of that pack? Uh, it was a Renault, wasn't it? And you're following one of those. <laughs> like they're they're doing anything they can to get a draft. So they're like, hold on, <laughs> let someone pass. Yeah. Let one someone pass. After you. After you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was, it, so it was funny. ridiculous. Something similar happened in NASCAR. I think it was last year. It's the same thing. Like everyone's just waiting to last minute, you know, trying to count down so they could cross the line at the last second, you know, trying to get that draft. And it's just like, oh yeah, no one wanted to go out first because it was yeah, open quality. Yeah, it's just like I don't mind open qualifying. Like I, I don't think as a format it's bad, but when you have people doing that, it's just kind of like okay, like if drafts are that important, just make it single car. You know. But I mean, I wonder what the spectator view of qualifying was. Oh, it's fantastic! Transition. It's fantastic. You get all the whole grid racing back to the start finish line just to like set a lap, not to like set a fast lap, but just to set a lap. Like, fantastic. Well, that was my rather clumsy segue to our next <laughs> segment, and which is the interview portion of the podcast. We always bring in a team member or a motorsport enthusiast to discuss topics of the day we have our uh, one of our team members here let's drag uh, ryan verholst into the booth hi ryan how you doing uh pretty good thanks for having me on pleasure great to have you with us so ryan here uh was at monza this year to see the Italian grand prix yeah it was a blast um so i think it's gonna be very valuable to get some maybe some first-hand feedback as to the spectator experience of a modern formula one race in monza so i mean first off why don't you tell us why you decided to go to the italian grand prix 
Um, it was our uh, it was our fifth wedding anniversary. Oh, we um, yeah, we we try to travel on our wedding anniversaries, and um, the the Japanese Grand Prix didn't work out. So uh, this was uh, the timing lined up, and it was easy uh, trip for us to make, and that was it. So we had just get uh, got done talking about the qualifying at Monza. <laughs> uh, were you in any way to kind of understand what was happening with all the drivers not getting to qualify, or did you not hear that until secondhand? How did that all play out? No, for you? we we saw that. We saw so like um, maybe was it Vettel that that cut the first chicane. And and then waited for you know like a teammate to catch up, and it 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 threw the whole thing off right from the first chicane, and then we could tell that it was going badly, and and then from watching like the screens and and watching the video, that they weren't going to make it around, and it became pretty obvious by the second chicane, or um, <laughs> it became pretty obvious that they weren't going to make it. And so, I mean, you were in the stands, I'm assuming, was there like vis- visible discussion? Was there confusion? Was it, you know, where people yeah. are laughing? Yeah, everyone kind of uh, uh, makes some noise, points and and cheers. And, and there had been a lot of missing the first chicane. And we saw a lot of that. But when everyone's lining up for the last qualifying run it it became obvious that something was happening interesting so you have been to um monza last year you also went to baku is that correct yeah baku is awesome (laughs) and so one is a purpose-built race course designed for these the other one is city streets what would be some differences between something that is specifically designed for racing and kind of for f1 and then the city streets of a metropolis really yeah right the mud uh we <laughs> we walked through a lot of mud in monza um that there's not a whole lot of uh infrastructure there there's not a whole lot of uh the sidewalks are broken and we we were off-roading and in baku we took the the uber right to our grandstand and there was a fountain outside and the bars and restaurants it was easy and Monza was kind of a a little bit of a mess. So as just a spectator, do you think that a street course like that is more fun? Is it easier and more? It's it's different. It's um the the city circuit was really nice to be in the city and all the sights and scenery and stuff was around us in Baku and um in Monza, it was a little bit out of town. It's a little bit of a, a train ride from Milan, and it takes some effort to get to the grandstand. And once you're there, you're kind of you're there. And there's a there's a bunch of uh, uh, drunken Europeans around you, and you just have to make it happen. <laughs> Which other F1 races have you been to? I, I went to uh, Indianapolis for. 2003 i think for um uh one of michael schumacher's kind of dominating wins okay and so do you anticipate going to more of them or is it kind of just you want to do a couple and call it good 
Oh, uh, I think uh, I think we're on the long haul. I think uh, it's it's going to be Hanoi in 2020 if we can make that happen. Oh wow! Oh, that's that good. exciting. Um, go- going back to Monza, particularly like this is a track that's been on the Formula One schedule since 1950, first year of the Formula One World Championship. Is there still a sense of that history and character in the venue? Uh, um, there is. There, the the oval is the oval is still there, and it's still it's still visible. It's still kind of a um, an impactful visual thing to see. And we we tried to we tried to sneak onto the track and <laughs> and. The the guys in the yellow the yellow vest turned us away and and we were we were really awestruck by the the oval. That would be I mean, cool. You're in Italy, you just throw some marbles at them and run by, right? Well, I don't know. The the police there are not messing around. <laughs> um. So. At, at like the Italian Grand Prix, where you have the whole circus and production of a Formula One race, it's not just the Formula One event, right? There's a lot of support races and entertainment, I guess, being laid on by the supporting artists and, and so on. Is that still a compelling draw for, for you to spend full two days at the circuit? Uh, yes and no. We we do spend a lot of time at the circuit. Um, it's it's hard to get excited about the the Formula Two, or it's hard to get excited about the the Porsche races. Um, when we go to a venue like like Monza or like Baku, we we want to see other things, and so our time is kind of divided by sights and scenery and food and and doing other things so we kind of skip some of the other racing to go to um sites around milan or sites around azerbaijan and then we do enjoy like the the fan zone the paddock club and we go to the other events but um really the formula one practice and qualifying those are really our our highlights okay and so, to see a home team like, you know, Ferrari winning the Italian Grand Prix, is that something yeah. that you're hoping for to see the home team win or you pulling for a different you team? Know, my, I'm a fan of other teams. I'm not a big Ferrari fan, but when we were planning this, it was good to see that, that Leclerc and Vettel that there was going to be some controversy and there was going to be some competitiveness before the Italian Grand Prix. And we were going to be kind of in their backyard and we were going to see it firsthand. And it was, it was exciting to see uh, Leclerc uh, do it all. And you were sitting at the, uh, the first chicane, right? Yeah. First chicane, um, kind of on the inside on the, uh, on the approach, so we got to see um, kind of the breaking zone, and then then the full first again, yeah. So a decent amount of action there. It was a good race, fundamentally. Um, it was, and 
some of these races are hard to follow from the stands. You don't get right. to see a whole lot and you, yeah, like the, the broadcast is in Italian and it's a little hard to follow from the grandstands and it was very exciting and the crowd was into it and it, it was a really cool experience. That's awesome. I can imagine that was, that was fantastic. I remember being in Italy um, a few years ago in the Schumacher years, um, not even at a race, but on a Sunday when you know, Ferrari were winning and, there were people on the streets shouting and dancing and happy and whatever. It's a phenomenal experience. Um, so in terms of actually spectating a Formula One race, what's some of the differences that maybe you don't get while watching us at the same race on the TV? You, you kind of you miss some of the action that there the cars come by every minute or minute 30, minute two minutes, whatever. Um, you kind of miss where the other passes are happening, where the other action is happening elsewhere on the track. It's easy to watch. It's easy to watch the the video screens, but mm-hmm. it's not always e- easy to see what's going on. You kind of lose track of where cars are. And sometimes, um, you know, once later on in the race that there's lapped cars or there's some traffic or something, you don't always see who's coming by and who's in first place or who's in last place, who's getting lapped. Yeah. Is it hard to tell the difference between the individual drivers or with the helmets and the numbers, it's not that hard to figure out. Um, it, it is, but we've kind of gotten uh, uh, used to looking for the numbers and um, it, the different car, you know, obviously the different cars are very apparent, but the, the, between Vettel and and Leclerc and between especially like uh, um, Verstappen and Albon, they're like thirty three and twenty three for their car numbers. That that makes it harder to yes. tell them apart. Yeah, the the helmets go by really quick. I I can't tell <laughs> that apart. So in in terms of like a a spectacle of speed, is it still impressive? It is. Um, seeing, I think. Uh, we were f- full speed uh, breaking into turn one, seeing them come from full speed to the last, the number two marker, number one brake marker, and and all that speed coming down. That was really impressive. You could hear them coming. We could feel the brakes come on. It was really impressive. That's awesome. um, And particularly as well, I mean, you have been to Indianapolis for like, the mid 2000s races there where you heard the v10 era of engines oh, and their prime hurt my ears um and like there's been a lot of criticism leveled at these v6 hybrids that they're not as spectacular and they don't sound like the pinnacle of motorsport was that is that a fair assessment now having seen them live um yes and no yeah right yes and no again um I'm not impressed by the sound. The The performance is, is impressive and, and the technology is impressive. So sure. I don't, I don't need a, a V12 at 15,000 RPM to be impressed. It's the, uh, <laughs> the technology and, and where the, the sport is going. That's impressive. So, uh, you talked about Hanoi, you talked about, your other two Formula races, Formula One races. What other racing do you follow? Have you been to anything more local? Um, what else do you enjoy? Champ car, maybe. Yeah. Well, I 
did a, <laughs> a couple of champ car events. Yeah, that um, I did uh, the VIR race uh, with uh, with you guys uh, 2018. That was a f- fun experience. It was um, it was hot. And, yes, it was. Uh, yeah. Um, no paddock there. And yeah, and uh, I I did the camping. I want I wanted the full experience. I uh, I think I had a, a swamp section next to uh, uh, Clink and his dad. Yeah, full on tent gang with us. I mean, I know. Yeah. Oh yeah, That's... Shane and and uh, yeah, Shane was there. Crawford, yeah, was there. yeah was you there. guys spooning. Yeah, I mean, you, gotta, you gotta stay warm when we, we don't talk about that hot jungle that's sweaty and you don't really get to shower you gotta stay warm i mean that is the definition of grassroots motorsport there um, yeah right and then you go to indianapolis and uh another great champ car event and there wasn't as much spooning and and a little bit more air conditioning but the the um the party house was pretty fun <laughs> the party house was a lot of fun. Um, so, yeah. Um, in terms of going back to Formula One, if there were anyone listening today who has never been to a Formula One race before, is thinking about investing in that time, that money, to you know buy a ticket to Kota or to Montreal or you know, anywhere in Europe, what are some top tips you would recommend people to get the most out of a weekend? Yeah, go for the the sightseeing and the the cultural experience, and and just let the Formula One kind of happen, and um, see the the places. Go eat and drink, and be merry, and and hang out at Formula One. Hang out at the the practice. Hang out at maybe some Porsche or some Formula Two or whatever whatever else is going on, but see the other things and and really make it an experience because there's a lot of other there's a lot of other stuff going on and and the formula one is it they've chosen good venues they've chosen good places to visit and 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 make it a a, a venue to see not just the the race so pick so pick pick a destination that you can enjoy for the destination itself not just for the circuit and the race yeah and see what else is around it take a we we try to take a a few days before or a few days after and and see the cultural experience i mean you go all that way to get to italy you might as well see italy when, yeah when's the next time you plan on being Baku or Azerbaijan? How do you say that country? As- Azerbaijan. Azerbaijan. That one, yeah. That yeah. one. I, we we're kind of one and done with a lot of places. We probably won't go back. I think I think that's that's reasonable. You are, you want to see as many places as possible. Um, and have you any ambitions towards track driving and racing of your own? Uh, yeah. Uh, again, yes and no. Um, it's <laughs> expensive <you> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, right. I, I, um, I've had a few track experiences, no, no, no real racing, but, um, for now I'm pretty happy with, uh, the iRacing experience and I'm pretty happy mm-hmm. with, uh, just, uh, street driving my, my toys and, and, uh, having a good time with the cars. 
That's what it's all about in the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Ryan. Uh, it's been great to have you in the booth with us today um, and for sharing a little knowledge and insight into Formula One. Uh, thank you for yeah, joining cheers. us. And uh, I think that about wraps it up for this episode of Huge Ass Paddock Pass. Um, next race is at Suzuka. Ryan, who do you think is going to win? Uh, Leclerc. Leclerc or Suzuka? Interesting. Not a Mercedes track? And that said that. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna look. You're gonna look like a genius if you get that right. Frankly, um, yep. Well, we'll see. What like four in a row, five in a row? He's got it. He's got it wrapped up. That's it's fair. wrapped up. You heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. All right. Well, we shall see. Um, but until next time, uh, I've been your host, Tom Addison. With me has been Andrew Fawcett. That's me. And Alex Crawford. Peace. In the booth, Michael Derby, and we will see you again next time on this uh, episode of You Just Better Pass. Good night. Peace.